breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is no stranger to the world of Kevin McCullough Radio, etc., etc. But it's been a while since she's been with us because she's been busy. She was a press secretary for the president. She's got a thriving career at Fox News Channel. She's a busy, busy mom, and she's just written her second book, which is already a bestseller. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome Kaylee McEnany. Hello, Lady Kaylee. How are you? Hey, great to join you. Yep, very, very busy these days, but mostly with the mom part you mentioned. So well, I, I have a three-year-old like next to me. Let's hope that she doesn't decide to join the interview. <laughs> yes, that is a good part. Well, at this at this microphone, it's great uh, to join you. children's input is always welcomed. I talk to a lot of moms, Bethany Mandel, Carol Markowitz. There's tons of women that are on my show that uh, have have children and they've grown up while they've been doing the show and so forth. And when you met, when we met, you were an intern at Fox News working for Governor Huckabee, and now you've got two kids. Like, sometimes it just blows my brain, Kaylee, how how, how far we've come. Um, I want to ask you about- Time like, flies, yep. I want to ask you about a series of things. Um, these days, I don't I don't know Corinne Jean-Pierre personally in any capacity. I don't, uh, I don't like a lot of her politics. I don't generally tend to- uh, try to form opinions about people that I don't know very well, but there's there's certainly a, a sense of empathy that I have had for her in recent days and John Kirby and a few other press secretaries in the administration, because it seems like they are being constantly asked to peddle a bill of goods that they may not know, but that are obviously patently false. And I'm just curious if you could compare your days behind that podium to what you see happening in that press room on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, initially, I wondered uh, how much access the press secretary had to the president, because Jen Psaki was asked um, if she had Oval Office walk-in privileges, and she declined to say, which led me to believe, you know, who are you speaking for if you don't have regular access to the president of the United States? Just based on what I saw, uh, it seems like that was remedied, and perhaps she was, you know, led into more meetings throughout her tenure, and Karine Jean-Pierre, it seems to be the case. I saw her sitting at the NATO table with the president. So perhaps they've woken up to the fact that you need your spokesperson um, to, to kind of be in the know as to what the president of the United States is thinking. Um, but it's a, a fun job, a challenging job. I think one of the, the reasons um, I was able to do the job um, was because of my interest in the subject matter. I loved policy myself. Mm -hmm. I was interested in it. So I would regularly pick up the phone, talk to department heads, ask for data, you know, ask where they got their sourcing and their facts. And because it was a passion, I think it came through at the podium. So I think to thrive at the job, you've got to, you've got to be an investigator yourself and, and want to and have interest in these matters. Well, and certainly I think, Kaylee, your time behind the podium was like that. And by the way, for the record, I think, a, and I've known several of you in that position. I knew you, I knew Sarah Sanders, maybe longer than any of the others. I I, I knew Sean, I knew uh, Dana, I knew Tony Snow, I knew Ari Fleischer. I mean, I've known a lot of people in that position. And the, what, one of the things I've always appreciated about, at least those of you that I had contact with, is that there was a real effort at least for those of you that worked in those administrations to tell the truth, my frustration, and you kind of skated on the question a little bit, but I'll give you a second uh, swipe at it here. It seems like this group is either being prevented from telling the truth, or maybe they're participating in some level. I mean, just the Coke and the white house story has changed 
three times on where the location was. And she puts up questions like, or she puts up protestations like, I'm not going to comment. It's the Secret Services investigation. And then, oh, by the way, let me fill in the blank on a bunch of information that doesn't really help you gather an opinion about it. I'm just going to add you add some stuff to it that you didn't ask for. In other words, it sometimes feels like there's uh, there's smoke and mirrors going on. Well, there for sure is. I mean, with the cocaine story, for instance, to your point, the story changed many times. If this would have happened under my tenure, I would have gone to the Secret Service office myself and said, tell me the story. This can't keep changing. What is the truth of the matter? Um, the, the absolutely incomprehensible answers to, is this a Biden family member that we should be thinking about? First, you have a deputy that cites the Hatch Act, which has nothing to do with that. The Hatch Act has right. to do with not affecting elections. Then Corrine Jean-Pierre gets another stab at the question, and she mocks the questioner and says, that's an irresponsible question. If I was in the White House, I would have gone to Trump and said, "There, what do you say? And he said, he would say, absolutely not. And I would have gone to the podium and said, I spoke with the president. He said, under no circumstance, was this a member of the Trump family? So why right. she didn't do that? I mean, I'll leave that to your listeners to answer, but uh, it's it's been confounding uh, the head in the sand approach we've seen on this subject matter in particular. Well, and I'm going to speculate here. This is me, not Kaylee, saying it, but I don't I don't think it's that confounding. I think it's just a cover up. I think that it's pretty easy to see that there's one person in the president's inner circle who's a former addict has written about it in a book. We have a laptop full of pictures that seem to demonstrate it. And uh, and it wasn't just the coke, Kaylee. Did you hear about the two bags of weed they found uh, just before the end of the year? I mean, this is evidently there's a lot going on in that White House. Yeah, there uh, evidently there is. And, you know, you if I, I would say this, if I'm Joe Biden and my press secretary and the deputy have answered in this manner, I would have been upset if this was not my family member. I would have said, look, this is inexcusable communications coming from the White House press shop. Yeah. But what did he do? He was he has been asked about it and he is silent on the matter. So yeah. it all adds to suspicions among the American public as to why the president won't even answer the question, much less his press secretary. Well, and I think, you know, that the press secretaries, I mean, you guys all have a life beyond the White House, right? You're always, I mean, you're going to serve your time for the administration that you're with. And then you're looking down the road. And for you, there was always an interest in being in cable TV and being a culture, uh, cultural observer and commentator. And so, and that's what you get to do now. But I think even John Kirby and Corinne Jean-Pierre at some point have to say, well, is this worth falling on my sword for? Am I going to ruin my career uh, just to save this, you know, batty old man in the White House a, a little bit more embarrassment. I, I just don't know how long that lasts. I feel I feel kind of empathetic for him, even though I disagree with him on every every level. Let me ask you the, um, the new gig at Fox middays. Uh, you and Harris are tearing it up. Uh, two of my favorite people on planet Earth. Um, how much fun are you having? Oh, it is great. And Emily Campagno, too. The, yes. the three of us, we truly love each other, being around each other. Um, it's a blast, especially as we're heading into the 2024 election season. Um, just it, it's exciting. It's horse race politics, and we're off to the races, not to mention the other fun topics that we do that give our show a lighter feel. Um, and it, we have fun. If you can't tell, we do have fun. Yeah. The, the, the 2024 election is shaping up kind of interesting. And before we take this break, uh, Tucker Carlson got Mike Pence to say something this weekend at the turning point. Uh, conference. And I'm just curious what went through your head when you heard him say, that's not my concern. Yeah, I think it was um, taken out of context a bit. A little bit, I saw. for sure. Um, yes. I, I think because I, I know Vice President Mike Pence 
Texas personally. I can tell you that man loves this country. I sat in many coronavirus tax force briefings with him. So I think it was taken out of context. I mean, he obviously has an opinion on the Ukraine war that is different than others in our party. Um, there's there's it's a you know divergent views among the Republican field on this issue. Um, but it was my view that that was taken out of context from what I saw. All right, Kaylee McEnany, former press secretary for President Trump and uh, current Fox News commentator and host of Outnumbered. She rejoins us after this quick break. Stay here. Amplifying truth and pursuing clarity. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. As we were going to the break, you probably didn't catch it, but there was a little baby's cry in the background, and in, in, uh, wherever Kaylee McEnany is joining us from, and she, uh, uh, and, and that's that's one of her babies, and she's uh, welcome to be on the show along with her <laughs> lovely mama. Serenity in the storm, living through the chaos. Uh, this is the new book by uh, Kaylee McEnany, and. Um, Kaylee, you have never been one. Uh, this is something that we've shared about, talking about on the air for a long time, going back to even your uh, pre-Harvard days. Um, but you've always leaned on Jesus as a significant uh, life force for you. He is your savior. He has saved you. You have been open about that. You you love to look at the events of the day through that prism, and I'm one that's grateful for that. What's the new book about? Why did you feel compelled to write it at this time? And what is it that you want people to get from it? You know, I, I've, we have politics and we have um, our faith. And those are two things that I, I've loved my whole life. One far more than the other, my faith, because um, it animates every other part of my life. But um, when you look at the political landscape, I, I've loved politics since I was an eight-year-old girl. I mean, I was interested in the Bob Dole election. I mean, like going way back. Um, so, you know, <laughs> that does demonstrate commitment there. If you were a Bob Dole girl at that age, you, you <laughs> yes. had a lot of interest. Hey, I had a lot of interest. Yes. Um, but I, I realized growing, going through life that sometimes the church remains separate from the body politics. And of course, there there shouldn't be a state religion. I'm not suggesting that. But we as churches shouldn't sit on the sidelines because the issues animating the, our cultural conversation um, are issues like life, which scripture has a lot to say on. Um, the Bible is emphatically pro-life. You can't walk away um, without getting that um, that message or education where you see God being chased out of school. And I think a lot of the violence we see is an offshoot of um, children who are not moored in something bigger than themselves, you know, selfie culture, not looking to the creator of self. So this book was an effort to highlight these issues and highlight the importance of faith um, and people of faith having a voice in the political landscape. Some of the things you take on are more of the cultural based uh, items. And certainly with the roll of the dice that the uh, progressive agenda has put into our schools with this uh, transitioning of children from their biological sex to imagine genders uh, and and other uh, aspects of some of that type of uh, thing have really threatened mothers in ways that we have not seen in recent years. And I'm curious if your hunch is that the left may be overplaying its hand when it comes to uh, taking the mother's vote for granted here. 
there's no doubt about it. Um, so when I wrote Serenity in the Storm, it was before um, a lot of a lot of what we're seeing recently, this coalition of people of faith of different faiths, Christian, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, you're seeing protesting across the country saying, you know, in, in the case of Maryland, I believe it was the Muslim population saying with Christians. So so both groups protesting together saying you're not even allowing me to opt my child out of a right. curriculum where you're trying to teach sex to my elementary school child and you won't allow me to opt out. Um, so this this uh, total uh, degradation of the parent and separation of the parent from the child, from you know not telling uh, not telling a parent that your child's going by a different pronoun or a different name and locking the parent out of that kind of you know discussion with with their child. Um, it, it's absolutely insidious what we're seeing, and we saw what happened in Virginia, a tremendous victory with Glenn Youngkin, and I think. Uh, not not to be underestimated is this issue of education as we head into a general election next year. I'm anticipating that since the schools really have not changed their tone since 22, that that's going to be an even more intense area of uh, of uh, dis- discussion this time. I think so. I mean, I, I this poll and again, we've talked about polling and how it can be off, but um, not off by as large of the margins of what I saw when I looked at this Washington Post poll that asked about these issues. It asked about biological men and women's sports. It asked about teaching sex to kindergarten through third grade. And remember, they called that the quote, don't say gay bill in Florida. That's right, not what right. it was. It was about not teaching sex to kids. When they poll these issues, hormone treatment, um, these are 80-20 issues with on balance, anywhere from 65 to 80% saying, no, 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 no biological men and women's sports. Don't teach sex to my kindergartner. And when I saw yeah. those numbers, I mean, it's jaw dropping. I asked your predecessor, Mr. Spicer, last week, and when I have uh, Governor Sanders on here in a week or two, I'm going to ask her the same question. Um, how do you see the first four states at this point? It's just you're just, you know, gazing into the crystal ball. There's no magic here. But um, what what do you think? How do you think the first four states are going to go for the Republicans? Well, at this point, I mean, if you look at any poll in, in any of those states, and I've looked at them as recently as Friday, um, Trump is ahead by 30 points in all of the early states. That's an enormous margin. Um, for anyone to to catch up, you've got to create movement. And I think that movement, if there is any movement, you would start to see it on August 23rd after the Fox News debate when these candidates will have a bigger audience than they've ever had. So, right. you know, we'll see. But at this point, it's far and away uh, Donald Trump is the front runner. And, um, you know, I... I I've, I've seen him pull out some, some pretty major victories in my time around him. Kaylee McEnany, so good to talk to you, friend, and her newest book, um, Serenity in the Storm, Living Through Chaos by Leaning on Christ. Get your copy. Kaylee, uh, take those babies home and give them a good afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Kevin. Great to talk to you. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Don't go away. 